0: Section Forty Seven of the Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peery. Book eight, Chapter Two, Liagavi. So he must drive at full speed, and he had not the money for horses. He had forty kopecks, and that was all—all all that was left after so many years of prosperity but he had at home an old silver watch which had long ceased to go he snatched it up and carried it to a jewish watchmaker who had a shop in the market-place the jew gave him six roubles for it and i didn't expect that cried mitya ecstatically he was still in a state of ecstasy he seized his six roubles and ran home at home he borrowed three roubles from the people of the house who loved him so much that they were pleased to give it him though it was all they had mitya in his excitement told them on the spot that his fate would be decided that day and he described in desperate haste the whole scheme he had put before samsonov the latter's decision his own hopes for the future and so on these people had been told many of their lodger's secrets before and so looked upon him as a gentleman who was not at all proud and almost one of themselves having thus collected nine roubles mitya sent for posting-horses to take him to the volovia station this was how the fact came to be remembered and established that at midday on the day before the event mitya had not a farthing and that he had sold his watch to get money and had borrowed three roubles from his landlord all in the presence of witnesses i note this fact later on it will be apparent why i do so though he was radiant with the joyful anticipation that he would at last solve all his difficulties yet as he drew near volovya station he trembled at the thought of what grushenka might be doing in his absence what if she made up her mind to-day to go to fyodor pavlovitch this was why he had gone off without telling her and why he left orders with his landlady not to let out where he had gone if anyone came to inquire for him i must i must get back to-night he repeated as he was jolted along in the cart and i dare say i shall have to bring this lyagavy back here to draw up the deed so mused mitya with a throbbing heart but alas his dreams were not fated to be carried out to begin with he was late taking a short cut from volovia station which turned out to be eighteen versts instead of twelve secondly he did not find the priest at home in ilinsko he had gone off to a neighboring village while mitya setting off there with the same exhausted horses was looking for him it was almost dark the priest a shy and amiable-looking little man informed him at once that though liagavy had been staying with him at first he was now at suhoi that he was staying the night in the forester's cottage as he was buying timber there too at mitya's urgent request that he would take him to lyagavy at once and by so doing save him so to speak the priest agreed after some demur to conduct him to Suhoy suhoi his curiosity was obviously aroused but unluckily he advised their going on foot as it would not be much over aversed mitya of course agreed and marched off with his yard-long strides so that the poor priest almost ran after him he was a very cautious man though not old mitya at once began talking to him too of his plans nervously and excitedly asking advice in regard to lyagavy and talking all the way the priest listened attentively but gave little advice he turned off mitya's questions with i don't know ah i can't say how can i tell and so on when mitya began to speak of his quarrel with his father over his inheritance the priest was positively alarmed as he was in some way dependent on fyodor pavlovitch he inquired however with surprise why he called the peasant trader gorstkin lyagavy and obligingly explained to mitya that though the man's name really was lyagavy he was never called so as he would be grievously offended at the name and that he must be sure to call him gorstkin or you'll do nothing with him he won't even listen to you said the priest in conclusion mitya was somewhat surprised for a moment and explained that that was what samsonov had called him On hearing this fact, the priest dropped the subject, though he would have done well to put into words his doubt whether, if Samsonov had sent him to that peasant calling him Lyagavy, there was not something wrong about it, and he was turning him into ridicule. But Mitya had no time to pause over such trifles he hurried striding along and only when he reached suhoi pasiolek did he realize that they had come not one verst nor one and a half but at least three this annoyed him but he controlled himself they went into the hut the forester lived in one half of the hut and gorstkin was lodging in the other the better room the other side of the passage they went into that room and lighted a tallow candle The hut was extremely overheated. On the table there was a samovar that had gone out, a tray with cups, an empty rum bottle, a bottle of vodka partly full, and some half-eaten crusts of wheaten bread. The visitor himself lay stretched at full length on the bench, with his coat crushed up under his head for a pillow, snoring heavily. Mitya stood in perplexity of course i must wake him my business is too important i've come in such haste i'm in a hurry to get back to-day he said in great agitation but the priest and the forester stood in silence not giving their opinion mitya went up and began trying to wake him himself he tried vigorously but the sleeper did not wake he's drunk mitya decided good lord what am i to do what am i to do and terribly impatient he began pulling him by the arms by the legs shaking his head lifting him up and making him sit on the bench yet after prolonged exertions he could only succeed in getting the drunken man to utter absurd grunts and violent but inarticulate oaths no you better wait a little the priest pronounced at last for he's obviously not in a fit state he's been drinking the whole day the forester chimed in good heavens cried mitya if only you knew how important it is to me and how desperate i am no you'd better wait till morning the priest repeated till morning mercy that's impossible and in his despair he was on the point of attacking the sleeping man again but stopped short at once realizing the uselessness of his efforts the priest said nothing the sleepy forester looked gloomy. What terrible tragedies real life contrives for people, said Mitya in complete despair. The perspiration was streaming down his face. The priest seized the moment to put before him very reasonably that even if he succeeded in wakening the man he would still be drunk and incapable of conversation. And your business is important, he said, so you'd certainly better put it off till morning with a gesture of despair mitya agreed father i will stay here with a light and seize the favorable moment as soon as he wakes i'll begin i'll pay you for the light he said to the forester for the night's lodging too you'll remember dmitri karamazov only father i don't know what we're to do with you where will you sleep no i'm going home i'll take his horse and get home he said indicating the forester and now i'll say good-bye i wish you all success so it was settled the priest rode off on the forester's horse delighted to escape though he shook his head uneasily wondering whether he ought not next day to inform his benefactor fyodor pavlovitch of this curious incident or he may in an unlucky hour hear of it be angry and withdraw his favor the forester scratching himself went back to his room without a word and mitya sat on the bench to catch the favorable moment as he expressed it profound dejection clung about his soul like a heavy mist a profound intense dejection he sat thinking but could reach no conclusion the candle burnt dimly a cricket chirped it became insufferably close in the overheated room he suddenly pictured the garden the path behind the garden the door of his father's house mysteriously opening and grushenka running in he leapt up from the bench it's a tragedy he said grinding his teeth mechanically he went up to the sleeping man and looked in his face he was a lean middle-aged peasant with a very long face flaxen curls and a long thin reddish beard wearing a blue cotton shirt and a black waistcoat from the pocket of which peeped the chain of a silver watch mitya looked at his face with intense hatred and for some unknown reason his curly hair particularly irritated him What was insufferably humiliating was that after leaving things of such importance and making such sacrifices, he, Mitya, utterly worn out, should with business of such urgency be standing over this dolt on whom his whole fate depended, while he snored as though there were nothing the matter, as though he'd dropped from another planet. Oh, the irony of fate! cried mitya and quite losing his head he fell again to rousing the tipsy peasant he roused him with a sort of ferocity pulled at him pushed him even beat him but after five minutes of vain exertions he returned to his bench in helpless despair and sat down stupid stupid cried mitya and how dishonorable it all is something made him add His head began to ache horribly. Should he fling it up and go away altogether? he wondered. No, wait till tomorrow now. I'll stay on purpose. What else did I come for? Besides, I've no means of going. How am I to get away from here now? Oh, the idiocy of it! But his head ached more and more. He sat without moving and unconsciously dozed off and fell asleep as he sat. He seemed to have slept for two hours or more. He was waked up by his head aching so unbearably that he could have screamed. There was a hammering in his temples and the top of his head ached. It was a long time before he could wake up fully and understand what had happened to him. At last he realized that the room was full of charcoal fumes from the stove and that he might die of suffocation and the drunken peasant still lay snoring. The candle guttered and was about to go out. Mitya cried out and ran staggering across the passage into the forester's room. The forester waked up at once, but hearing that the other room was full of fumes, to Mitya's surprise and annoyance, accepted the fact with strange unconcern, though he did go to see to it. "But he's dead, he's dead, and what am I to do then?" cried Mitya frantically they threw open the doors opened a window and the chimney mitya brought a pail of water from the passage first he wetted his own head then finding a rag of some sort dipped it into the water and put it on lyagavy's head the forester still treated the matter contemptuously and when he opened the window said grumpily it'll be all right now he went back to sleep leaving mitya a lighted lantern mitya fussed about the drunken peasant for half an hour wetting his head and gravely resolved not to sleep all night but he was so worn out that when he sat down for a moment to take breath he closed his eyes unconsciously stretched himself full length on the bench and slept like the dead it was dreadfully late when he waked it was somewhere about nine o'clock the sun was shining brightly in the two little windows of the hut The curly-headed peasant was sitting on the bench and had his coat on he had another samovar and another bottle in front of him yesterday's bottle had already been finished and this new one was more than half empty mitya jumped up and saw at once that the cursed peasant was drunk again hopelessly and incurably he stared at him for a moment with wide-opened eyes the peasant was silently and slyly watching him with insulting composure and even a sort of contemptuous condescension so mitya fancied he rushed up to him excuse me you see i you've most likely heard from the forester here in the hut i'm lieutenant dmitri karamazov the son of the old karamazov whose copse you are buying that's a lie said the peasant calmly and confidently a lie you know fyodor pavlovitch "'I don't know any of your Fyodor Pavlovitches,' said the peasant, speaking thickly. "'You're bargaining with him for the cops—for the cops. Do wake up and collect yourself. Father Pavel Aviliinsko brought me here. You wrote to Samsonov, and he has sent me to you,' Mitya gasped breathlessly. "'You're lying,' Liagafi blurted out again. Mitya's legs went cold. For mercy's sake it isn't a joke you're drunk perhaps yet you can speak and understand or else i understand nothing you're a painter for mercy's sake i'm karamazov dmitri karamazov i have an offer to make you an advantageous offer very advantageous offer concerning the cops the peasant stroked his beard importantly no you've contracted for the job and turned out a scamp you're a scoundrel i assure you you're mistaken cried mitya wringing his hands in despair the peasant still stroked his beard and suddenly screwed up his eyes cunningly no you show me this you tell me the law that allows roguery do you hear you're a scoundrel do you understand that mitya stepped back gloomily and suddenly something seemed to hit him on the head as he said afterwards in an instant a light seemed to dawn in his mind a light was kindled and i grasped it all he stood stupefied wondering how he after all a man of intelligence could have yielded to such folly have been led into such an adventure and have kept it up for almost twenty-four hours fussing round this lyagavy wetting his head why the man's drunk dead drunk and he'll go on drinking now for a week what's the use of waiting here and what if samsonov sent me here on purpose what if she oh god what have i done the peasant sat watching him and grinning another time mitya might have killed the fool in a fury but now he felt as weak as a child he went quietly to the bench took up his overcoat put it on without a word and went out of the hut he did not find the forester in the next room there was no one there he took fifty kopecks in small change out of his pocket and put them on the table for his night's lodging the candle and the trouble he had given coming out of the hut he saw nothing but forest all around he walked at hazard not knowing which way to turn out of the hut to the right or to the left hurrying there the evening before with the priest he had not noticed the road He had no revengeful feeling for anybody, even for Samsonov, in his heart. He strode along a narrow forest path, aimless, dazed, without heeding where he was going. A child could have knocked him down, so weak was he in body and soul. He got out of the forest somehow, however, and a vista of fields, bare after the harvest, stretched as far as the eye could see what despair what death all round he repeated striding on and on he was saved by meeting an old merchant who was being driven across country in a hired trap when he overtook him mitya asked the way and it turned out that the old merchant too was going to Velavia. after some discussion mitya got into the trap three hours later they arrived at volovia mitya at once ordered posting horses to drive to the town and suddenly realized that he was appallingly hungry while the horses were being harnessed an omelette was prepared for him he ate it all in an instant ate a huge hunk of bread ate a sausage and swallowed three glasses of vodka after eating his spirits and his heart grew lighter he flew towards the town urged on the driver and suddenly made a new and unalterable plan to procure that accursed money before evening and to think only to think that a man's life should be ruined for the sake of that paltry three thousand he cried contemptuously i'll settle it to-day and if it had not been for the thought of drushenka and of what might have happened to her which never left him He would, perhaps, have become quite cheerful again, but the thought of her was stabbing him to the heart every moment like a sharp knife. At last they arrived, and Mitya at once ran to Grushenka. End of section 47